Back to Bears on Tap. I'm your host, Lucas Perfetti. You could follow me on Twitter at LucasPerfetti46. Again, we have on tap insider Brandon Suarez coming on the show. You could follow him at BDon300. Uh, we got a Vikings post game for you and then a little bit of an offseason preview. We dive into Nagy and some of the coaching fires that might happen. I don't think anything crazy is going to happen on Black Monday, but throughout the offseason, we'll be checking in with you and letting you know exactly what's going on. This is going to be the premier Chicago Bears podcast moving into next season. I can guarantee you that. But let's get into this ad read, and then we'll do the interview. Bear down. Thrive Fantasy is a new, cool, and tough DFS app for prop bets. They have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ICE picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Wow, that's pretty nice, actually. Each unique prop has an over-under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that point value if that prop is correct. For example, will Tom Brady throw for over or under 250 yards? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your own team score around the amount of correct props you select. Use the promo code ONTAP, O-N-T-A-P, and once you deposit your first $10, Thrive will give you an additional $10. So grab a beer and hashtag crack them, and enjoy a more convenient way to play DFS. Same song and dance, just a different week, and we actually were able to win. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of like how I want to kick this off is just the fact that, I mean, this is the same game that we played every week this year. It really is like we were talking about, you know, the bookends last week, and this is just a microcosm of it all. You know what I mean? We were facing and don't get me wrong. These guys are NFL players, so I hate when people blow it out of proportion. Oh, it's second stringers. But I mean, really, man, I, I counted just on one red zone series alone. They attempted two plays, you know, they're at their own seven yard line. They two attempted two plays behind their own line of scrimmage. I just don't understand it. Yeah. And the thing that I saw too on Twitter, you might've tweeted it or I may have saw it somewhere else, but it's like, although while I do understand at the end of the game, um, like milking the clock all the way down, even though it's like 
you can score a touchdown, but at the end of the day, if you score a touchdown too early and you give them time, they are going to have a shot and you're going to have to get it too, you know? So that, that whole thing that I saw that, but I think it was Adam Johns and it was like, yeah, cause we really need to practice our 26 yard field goals. So I was like, Oh, realistically, yeah. the thing that upset me the most about that is it's just like the exact same way that not the exact same way because circumstances were different in that chargers game, but it was very similar, right? Instead of being like, Hey, the offense could take this in their hands and then we'll hand it over to our defense. You know what I mean? Or just like figuring out where Eddie Panero wanted the ball or what hash he wanted on. Nagy was just like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. Let's um let's play to control the clock. Not let's play to put up the most points, but let's play to control the clock and let's like let's get the last play on offense. And I kind of hate that mentality because it's like you saw that the way you're that playing the Bears, not to lose. Exactly. You saw the way that the Bears um 2018 season ended, right? The Bears 2018 season ended with a double doink, miss field goal, whatever. What happens if Eddie Panero fucks up and misses this kick? And that's the whole talk of the off season. You know what I mean? Obviously there were so many more problems this year than there was last year, but it's like, what happens if he misses that kick or what happens if the snap is messed up? And I know this game doesn't really count and it's not a playoff game, but just like you got to think about the back end of like what your actions are as a head coach. And I just don't understand it. Yeah. And the thing is too, is like, it's uh it's live snaps for guys like Riley Ridley and people like, you know, that don't normally get to play. Yeah, absolutely. So That's- like, it's an important, it's an, imp- it's, it's almost like that third game of the preseason. If you're not a playoff team where it's like, you know, it's a, for guys like Kwiatkowski, even though he got a little bit more time than he normally does. It's like, this game right here means a lot to those people out there. And they're not going to just go out there and fucking roll over, you know, like either team, like the Vikings, like, you know how you said, you know, they're playing with backup Boone, Mannion, stuff like that. And it's like, you know, those guys got to be very opportunistic with the time that they do get. So they were talking about Hollins the whole time and just kind of like how he's 160 pounds and how like he's been their guy on scout team. And he made, you know, so many plays on scout team and tried to get the defense ready and all this stuff. So like when he goes on the field to get an opportunity, he's going to make the most of it. And you're going to get the same from players like Ridley, you know, and this is like an evaluation day for, for Ryan pace. So that's a a thing that I think we kind of left out in the preview show on why it's important. But then, I mean, we touched on it, but then you got Boone who like starts the game with a huge run and the bears end up getting a turnover. I mean, let's not add the fact that they had two turnovers and a safety and the bears only had 11 points from, for a majority of the game, which it's just like, Oh yeah. 11 to six was the most like bears score. You could have fucking ever imagined a hundred percent. And like in the lovey Smith era, that's something you want to see, but how do you, as the the one thing that really killed me the most is that series with Matt Nagy um, calling two plays behind the line of scrimmage. And we ended up settling for a field goal. Um, I, I really just don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like I put out a tweet that was just like, Hey, I, if you complete three out of three passes behind the line of scrimmage, you are not guaranteed a first round, a first down. If you complete one out of three passes that go past the first down marker, you are guaranteed a first down. You know what I mean? It's just like simple logic. So I don't, I get like, you're trying to replace the running game with uh, bubble screens or quick passes to the outside, get yourself some numbers, things like that. But when your entire offense is based off of that, I feel like we saw a lot of Matt Nagy's issues just in this game alone. You know what I mean? It it was really nice. It was refreshing for, I guess the Trubisky truthers out there, because it's really like when you're looking at it, you're like, yeah, you know, he overthrows whims on that play or, you have the one play in the end zone where um, uh, Wims runs a seat or he's 
Trubisky throws a seam and rims whims runs a comeback. You know, you have stuff like that happening with Trubisky, no doubt about it. There's no way to deny it. But then you also see like, well, the guy's getting one out of three shots in the red zone to actually throw the ball into the end zone. You know, I, I, I just don't get it, especially when you have Dave Montgomery eating up yards all game long. I think he averaged six yards a carry. Patterson averaged seven yards a carry and um, Tariq Cohen averaged six yards a carry. So it's like the running game was working and still we it came down to a last second field goal. Yeah, and the issue with that, too, is is two late game fumbles by Mitch. I believe he was able to recover the one, but, you know, the one. Until it was, you know, deemed, you know, that he was down. I'm not even going to get into his name. My brother's a huge Northwestern fan, so he'll definitely clown me on that. But hell of a play by the Vikings defensive line to, you know, take the ball away from Mitch, make a play, and eventually take the lead at the end of that game. I don't recall who it was. I think it may have been Buzz or you, though, on Twitter. And it's like, why do we wait until three minutes left in the game to figure it the fuck out every week? You know, if it's a, if it's a close game, it's like, it's like we turn the, the sliders down for that last drive. Mitch can't be stopped. He looks like the goat, you know, Robinson is catching everything. Ridley had that great catch. And that's when I tweeted. It's like, wow. You know, you, you know, you hear, you know, other people in the media, our, ourselves included, you know, you watch the tape. I believe I put it in my initial Riley Ridley article, you know, when we drafted him on draft day, he is an elite route runner. You have to be able to use this guy. There, well, there is no excuse for the offense to not have, you know, obviously it's a crowded receiver room, but shit, shit was not working. You got to move stuff around. You know, you said, you know, regardless of what job you do, if, if stuff's not working, it gets moved around. And in the NFL, I would expect the exact same standard. Well, I mean, realistically, the NFL is the most performance-based job. Exactly. You can have you can have someone like David Johnson, who two years ago was unstoppable, or three years ago was unstoppable, and then he gets benched for Kenyon Drake. You know what I mean? Like, so realistically, yes. what have you done for me lately? Exactly, and that's all it really comes down to. And that's one thing I definitely harped on before I was with On Tap Sports. But when, if your biggest problem especially with when it came to communication and stuff like that was route running from your wide receivers, you know, cause there was a, there was a, a very gray area in this season where it was like, well, is it Trubisky throwing to a spot and the receivers aren't getting to that spot? Or is it, you know, the receivers are running the right route and Matt Nagy's trying to cover up for Mitch Trubisky. Either way, Matt Nagy's kind of in the wrong cause he's throwing someone under the bus. But if you have your best route runner, other than Allen Robinson on the bench, like, what are you doing? It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I, I and, and that's the thing that um, it's funny, too, because I had someone saying that the safety messed up on that play or, you know, it wasn't a good throw by Trubisky. It's like, you know, if Carson Wentz makes that throw or Patrick Mahomes makes that throw on fourth down, the drool gonna... face, the drool face is the caption on someone's Twitter account. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like someone's like, if, first of all, if Patrick Mahomes makes that throw. Whoever his receiver is, is going to be gone for a touchdown. Riley Ridley got caught on that play, but that's not his strong suit. It was never yeah. speed. You know, it was never speed, but realistically, I mean, you're right. When it really boils down to it, Mitch Trubisky, when he's put with his back against the wall, I feel like more times over not, other than that Green Bay game's the one that sticks out the most to me. 
in both week one Green Bay games in 2018 and 2019 where he didn't come up with the play to put them in position to win, you know? But it's like, I feel like it's because Matt Nagy is finally in desperation mode where he's like, fuck it, I need to throw the ball down the field. I would like to see going forward in 2020, like Mitch Trubisky just throw down the field more and more. At least we'll know it'll become more apparent, like either Trubisky can't play quarterback or he's, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, if you're throwing the ball downfield, 12 times in a game and you're only hitting it three times, that's still three more touchdowns than you're putting up. It's a numbers game. You're exactly right. And my thing is next year, it's it. This is it. This may be it for pace. This may be it for Nagy. This may be it for Trubisky. One, if not all of the three may be gone after next season. So you absolutely have to be aggressive. You have to go out there and lay it all out on the line. You have to make sure you bring in someone or multiple people that can contribute whichever position they may go in the draft, especially without having a first round draft pick. It's something that is frustrating and they need to make sure they do the right thing with the money. Too many times I, you know, I know me and you, uh, as far as on tap sports night, although I do cover the Notre Dame fighting Irish, and I'm going to start getting into a little bit more of uh, NIU Husky coverage for football and arena football coverage. Football is like our only sport. We have seen across the other sports, you know, Chicago Cubs, the Blackhawks, the Bulls, you know, the White Sox, all these teams not manage their money right. We went with the model of we're going to draft a young quarterback. We're going to build the team around him. We're going to have a good defense and we should be, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to have quality enough receivers to get it done, but a good running game. That shit went all out the window this year. Like we said last week or earlier in the week, it's back to the drawing board. But again, we still do have a quality roster of players in comparison to a lot of teams in the NFL. It's just what we're able to do with what we have. No, and you're absolutely right, Brandon. Um, and just to uh, try to cool down a little bit, we will talk about the We defense. did win today. We know we won today and we were three points off my like Christmas wish list prediction, which it wasn't the prettiest 11 points. We threw a safety in there. Love to see a safety in week 17. But here, I'm watching the replay right now. Kyle Fuller's 22 yards off the ball in the red zone. What <laughs> you guys fucking <laughs> He's fucking backing up. The, I, I, hold on. Let me, let me, I got the rewind. I can't stand this shit. He's like, he's like at the three yard line and they're at the 19. Like, what are you going to stop in the red zone, dude? Brandon, Come on, <laughs> Brandon. I'm not gonna lie. I fucking, I just started doing these shows with you, but I, I like you because you're an asshole. Because like, you can't, you can't get over the fact that he likes playing off the ball. That's his skill set, yeah. dude. Oh man, they're okay. They're at the 19 <laughs> yard line. It's second and nine. He's sitting on the other side of the highlighted yellow line that he can't see, but I'm sure he knows where the sticks are. Like, come on. Come on, dude. It's funny you say that he can't see the yellow line, and that just – I know we're kind of all over the place, guys, on TAP Sports listeners, but – Off the rails. Yeah, we're a little off the rails on this, but did you see the play where Tariq Cohen actually caught the punt return out of bounds? And it's funny because a lot of people get upset about him catching the ball – it within the own ten within his own ten yard line, right? Because people always yeah. say like, "Hey, if you're if you're fielding a punt and it goes past the ten yard line, let it go because it's going to become a touchback, right? Unless unless there's defenders yeah, all the, around." You I was going to say it. the rule. The rule is, you know, you put your heels on the ten, and if you have to go backwards, see you later. Exactly. So unless you, unless you know, you you truly not necessarily saying you have to field it. You know, you may have to come up and crack someone, but you know, 
your your business catching that ball if you have to move backwards on a 10 is a wrap. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a play where he ran like probably like four yards out of bound to go catch a punt. And I'm like, maybe it's his field awareness. Maybe it's not his um maybe it's not that what he's been taught to do, but maybe it's just his awareness of where he's at on the field. I, I'm not sure that but that's yeah. one right away when I saw that, I was like, that just seems off. Like I understand you want to catch every ball, but gee, man, it don't I hurt mean, yourself. Don't hurt yourself running out of bounds to feel the fucking punt. Let it just go. Yeah, to put it in perspective, I mean, he is, you know, 5'6", 160, a little bit smaller. I don't know how that falls into the the eyesight and stuff, but the U.S. Bank Stadium, I actually had the opportunity to play here a couple years ago for a semi-pro game, uh, more like an all-star game. The visual aesthetics of that stadium may have thrown him off, I would say, because that is just a giant, it's like a giant glass bowl. It's it's a weird stadium, but yeah, I don't know. I I was talking to uh, one of the people that, you know, one of the regulars at my work, like I said to you earlier today, I'm the resident football guy where I work at. And my thing, like we said last week, is with Cohen and Patterson, it's, it's not that the skill isn't there. It's the usage that Nagy is using them for. And I would hope, you know, with them coming back that we're able to, well, actually, no, Patterson, wasn't he on a one-year deal? No, he was on a two-year deal, but two I believe years. most of his guaranteed money was this year. I think he's only guaranteed one mil next year, but I'd prefer See, but that they bring him I, yeah, back. Yeah, I would prefer even if you got to give him a little bit more money to bring him back. And we did – we haven't mentioned it yet, but Fuller restructured his deal to open up more space for other people. So you love – you know, he's backing off the line. He's backing off the line on the contract, giving up a little bit of money. Uh, so we'll take it. Cushion on the contract, cushion on the field, baby. Um, but yeah, no, one of the things that I saw floating around, and I'm sure that you saw it, was the fact that Allen Robinson kind of said like, hey, I'm taking all these receivers in with me and we're all working together this offseason, which I really like. And, you know, I get so many, I still don't understand how you get the backlash. It's funny because I'm a part of all of these Facebook groups in order to promote our group and things like that. And, you know, my old website, my old podcast that I, I was part of Reddit and you know how it goes with Twitter and all that shit. And it's like people for some reason just don't want to give Allen Robinson credit to being a number one receiver. And then this dickhead screenshots a picture of fantasy football points saying like, yeah, he's the 18th receiver. And I'm like, are you really using fantasy football points to try to prove your point right now? Like, are you out of your goddamn mind? You know, I just, uh, some, some fans are so far off the the wagon and I could totally understand if you want to say like, Hey, he's not a top five receiver. No, I would never put him in the category as like Deandre Hopkins or Michael Thomas or one of those guys. Right. Even Mike Evans, who I think is really underrated. He's one of the better receivers, especially with such a big body, but Allen Robinson, in my opinion, is easily a top 15 receiver, which makes you a number one in the league. You know, if you're a top 32 receiver, you're essentially a number one in the league. Yeah. And with Allen Robinson, uh, real quick, I'm going to, I'm going to hit this real quick for the Crackham guys out there. It's been a long day and we won too. So victory Crackham, victory Crackham, baby. N- nice Miller light, the official sponsor of the Chicago bears, but you got to look at Allen Robinson's career. This is a guy that had Christian Hackenberg, his quarterback at Penn state. He had Blake Bortles and now he is blessed with Mitchell Trubisky. So He's never really had that quarterback, you know, to put him in the best position to win. And he still goes out there week in and week out and puts up numbers. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll beat this drum until someone proves me wrong. But when it's all said and done, he's played his last game for the Chicago Bears. He'll be the best receiver to have ever played for the Chicago Bears. Oh, I mean, I, 
I can't speak for anything that happened before 1997 because that's probably when I was able to start grasping. That's when I was able to start grasping football. But I guarantee you in my lifetime, he has already surpassed every single wide receiver because the one before him was maybe Brandon Marshall or Alshon Jeffrey. But I don't think they have that fact, you know, especially when they were with the Bears, they didn't have that it factor and they didn't have that just overall presence of, hey, everyone rallies behind them. Everyone believes in them. You know what I mean? Like Marshall had so many issues off the field and yeah. Jeffrey was just kind of a prick that started problems in the locker room. So I don't um, I, I don't see how you could even make it an argument like who else. Yeah, he's such a likable guy. It's it's absolutely absurd. And like you said, he's 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 offering to take all the younger guys. And, and we don't you know, our receiving room, with the exception of, you know, Ridley and Wims is a relatively vet room. You know, it's not that they're young guys, but to build that chemistry, that congruency and and to be able to work together. And those are their brothers. And that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, I've, I've mentioned this team didn't have fun, you know, this year. This team didn't look together or as a unit this this year. And it's it's one of those things where when you look at the successful teams and the winning teams, it's. You know, it has to be a unit. It has to be together. It has to be us against the world. It can't be, you know, I want to go out and get 150. You know, that's why you see teams like the Browns, you know, not succeed, where you have a bunch of superstars on the team, and they actually just just fired their coach. Uh, live podcasting here, Freddie Kitchens is fired. Hell so. yeah, they just fired him, huh? I hate to see that. Smoked his ass. Didn't even give him until Black Monday. But I, I just... I, I really do think that we have a quality group of guys as far as the playmaking guys and the defensive unit. We we need to have a better year next year with the with the turnovers and stuff like that. But I think if we bring in a quality tight end, whether it's a vet or, you know, like I've said, I you know, I haven't seen if Cole Komet declared I'll have that news when we do the official season recap or maybe when we get it, you know, maybe we'll just get straight into the draft, you know, but Looking at the outlook of this season, you know, falling here at eight and eight, the the big underlying issue of this team this year, and it was an issue that escaped us last year, was these close games. We were able to escape with a victory by the skin on our chinny chin chin today. And it, you know, even though the game didn't mean anything to me, I'm sitting there, forehead vein popping out, like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? How are absolutely. we about how are we about to blow this game? We're you know, we're up, what was it, 18 to 6? I'm yep. thinking we're about to just coast, you know, let's run the clock out and then let, you know, Mitch be Mitch. He's fumbling. The O-line looked like shit today. Charles Wendell looked terrible. The O-line, yeah. The I don't really like calling out individual players, but I'm sitting there looking, thinking the amount of things that $15 million per year could have been spent on. And it's like, God damn, it's like, he, you know, we saw him play great last year. We know he's capable of it. And, you know, the unit as a whole, I'm not going to just call him out because as a whole, the unit just did not look great a lot of, today. A lot of times they were getting worked. I'm going to cut you off real quick because you, yeah, touched on, you touched on two things that I really want to talk about. Um, but no, specifically, you were right uh, about the offensive line in general. There were a few times that the announcers even pointed out like, hey, Ted Larson needs to um, take this inside guy and pass off the outside guy to David Montgomery or whoever the running back is. Or yes. or whatnot. It just seemed like assignments were never um, were never a big 
uh, assignments were always a huge issue with the Chicago Bears this year, especially on the offensive line. I felt like there was always misprotection and things like that. And that also kind of is a perfect segue. Good job, Luke. I'm going to just give myself some fucking credit. Um, you talked about Freddie Kitchens getting canned. There's going to be some guys that ha- there has to be some sort of turnover. I find it very unlikely that, sh- that the Chicago Bears are going to have the exact same coaching staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So do you think Harry Heastan or Mark Helfrich are both going to be like casualties of war or going forward? What kind of what, what coaches do you think they're going to have to replace this offseason? Yeah, and I think, you know, you had touched on it earlier in the week. I think Helfrich is canned. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he's not even really calling the plays. Maggie's calling the plays. So it's like what is he's just a puppet at that point so and 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 like i said last week you know we started talking about coaches and how they're just a different breed um you know that's he'll he'll land on his feet probably back in the college ranks you know where he's had most of his success but i i i want us if we are going to go that route and we are going to go ahead and shit can people um I said it early in the year i want someone who's proven so i was a big fan of the chuck pagano hiring and you know, I don't know where you're at on that. I think he's done a relatively good job. The defense was still one of the top units, regardless of the fact that we weren't pick six and people every week. We still statistically, as the numbers get crunched at, you know, at the end of the year, we'll have the official number for you. But I'd like to say, you know, looking at them week in and week out, they're a top five, top 10 unit. And a lot of the points that were put up on this on this team was a factor of them not playing complimentary football. So they're getting set up, you know, the offense is already in plus territory on their side of the field. You know, the defense is, you know, there's, you know, there's turnovers that are turning into points, stuff like that. So they're a victim of their own offense, I would say. And, and a lot of times too, the one thing that I will say that they are guilty of is not being able to get off the, the field on third down this year. They were not, you know, ideal in that regard. For sure. And I feel like they played a very similar style of defense. People always want to say like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Vic, like Vic was more aggressive or Chuck Pagano's not aggressive enough. The aggressiveness was up tenfold this year. You know what I mean? I just feel like if anything, this game kind of showed a lot of what was happening this year. And I think just overall, when you look at the overarching theme of the year, they gave up a lot more rushing yards last year. It just seemed like nobody could run the ball on the Chicago bears. And this year, like just out of the gates, dude, uh, just in this week, 17 game, they were running the ball all over us, man. And that was one thing that was deterring, but I feel like they're going to have to shore up a couple more things. I mean, we, we talked about, it was actually me and Aaron talked about how much, uh, Eddie Goldman's a staple of this defensive line and you know, how much it hurt for Akeem Hicks not to be there. But this like rotating in Brent urban and random guys off the street. Like that's not going to work. I was, I was like, who the fuck is dude with yeah. on my screen. And honestly, like I, I, I have, since I was like five, six years old, I've taken extreme pride in like knowing every player's name from top to bottom on almost every roster. And when that, when I have what the, you know, a what the fuck moment like that with a player on my team, I'm like, wow. Where yeah, we know week 17. That's where we at. There, well, they grabbed him probably about six or seven weeks ago. When no, yeah, he's just he just hasn't really been playing, dude. Oh, on the topic of the running game, I'm sorry, and I know no one cares about my fantasy team, but I did not start Boone because I was like, yo, um, we're gonna stop him, you know, we're gonna play well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's that's going to get cut because they don't care about your fantasy team. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, no, realistically, I just I, I just feel like the running game was an issue this year. But I don't think Pagano's going anywhere. We only have one experienced play caller on both sides of the ball, so there's no reason that we would be getting rid of Chuck Pagano. I feel like the defensive stand, staff is completely fine and will stay intact. I think it's the offense that underperformed this year. So that's why we're going to have to replace some offensive coaches um, at the end of the day. But like, uh, you know, for all the people that are reactive and want to blow the whole thing up, that's not what you want. That's, that's what bad teams do is they blow everything up every single year. That's why the Browns are where they're at right now. You know what I mean? Dorsey's trying to save his own ass by firing Freddie kitchen. And it's just like, Things like that, that high amount of turnover of roster and all that stuff, that's a big part of why teams are unsuccessful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's even worse, you know, it's even worse when, you know, like, I'll, you know, you, you know, we use the Browns as an example. They are the poster child for this. They are swapping coaches year in and year out, swapping quarterbacks, swapping personnel. And that's just not how you succeed in the NFL. You know, it's that's a very wild, wild west way to approach it. You know, you look at teams like the Patriots and, you know, you got Tom Brady at quarterback, Belichick, you know, he's he's coaching the team. You've had guys like, you know, McDaniels, some of their coordinators like Cornell, Charlie Weiss, all these guys, they all spent a substantial amount of time there. And it's like, you you know, you look at their roster and while they do have, you know, interchangeable pieces that are, you know, rental players essentially to them most of the guys that they have have been with them for a while. And that's how you succeed in the NFL. Well, and they're smart enough to pay the guys like the McCordy's and the Gilmore's they're smart enough to pay the guys that their system depends on. You know what I mean? And then the other guys, like you said, are rented players. So you definitely, any NFL team or franchise is going to have turnover, especially when you have as much success as a team like the new England Patriots. But when you really look at it, it's the, that trifecta and Luckily for the Patriots, their GM and their head coach is the same thing. And then their quarterback's one of the best to ever play the game. So that's why they've had that consistency. And that's why they're consistently successful. People need to realize that the only time a coach should be fired is if they've had a fair enough shot. Now, you don't want to Marvin Lewis it. You don't want to give him so much goddamn time <laughs> to fuck yeah. up over and over again. You know what I mean? But if, if, the, if the vision is clear and everything is there and there's just a couple things that aren't going right, you got to give them a chance to figure it out because any coach with a clear vision is going to put together a good team. It doesn't matter what that team is, whether it's the Minnesota Vikings and you have Mike Zimmer, who is just like, they got a little bit off track with not being able to run the ball and play old school style of football. They fired De Filippo and they got exactly back to where they wanted to be. And it's like, they're successful again. You know what I mean? So there are always going to be hiccups, even with the new, uh, the new Orleans saints, you have Sean Payton and Drew Brees there, but like they have a vision of where they want their team to be. And there are some years where they, have to reload but successful teams usually have consistency yeah absolutely and that and that's the key and the thing is is this year that was what we were looking for we were just you know I didn't care how it was done whether it was we won the division or a wild card but I fully expected this team to be in the playoffs and in the hunt once they were in the playoffs not just you know get there and get bounced in the first round and one thing that I want to talk about too about this division like Call a spade a spade. The Packers got to be the weakest number one seed in the history of the NFL. Like, I honestly, I, 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 I can't, you know, just not, not even trying to sound like a hater or just a straight Bears fan. Like they're, they're 
Miss, correct me if I'm wrong. They're number one seed. They do not look like a team that is scaring me in the playoffs. I believe they're number one unless the no, no. I think they're automatically number one. Or yeah. it depends on what happens in this night game. Maybe San Francisco will be the number one, which that's a rightfully like San Francisco beat the dog shit out of the Green Bay Packers and. That's the one thing about the the Bears last year, too. Any time, like, they may have lost some clunkers like they did to the Giants or they did to the Dolphins, but any time they had to rise to the occasion and play a top team in the NFL, i.e. the New England Patriots or when they face, you know, the the Rams or when they face the, the Seahawks, they always played up to their competition. And that's the problem with them this year in this game. They played down to their competition, right? So it's like at some point you just got to understand – Hey, you guys are the Chicago Bears. You're supposed to be good. You need to beat the shit out of bad teams, and you need to play good teams well, you know? And that's one thing that I feel like the Packers didn't do this year. Anytime that they were really outmatched, they they threw up a clunker. Um, and I don't think you're being a hater when you say that they're – I don't know. See, I can't they, go through the be, history of the no, league yeah, right they'll, now. They'll be uh, the one seed if the Niners lose tonight. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to go and say in the history of the league they're the weakest number one seed ever because I, I can't go back and fucking process all that right now. But realistically, in my in my recent memory, they're not a very good one seed. They're, they fell ass backward yeah. into it. They could have easily lost to their first game against the, the Lions. They should have lost this game to the Lions. They get a lot of good calls. I was going to say the first, the first game against the Lions, the ref won. But you get my point, though. Like, the division, it's it, you know, you see – you see 10 and six and you see 13 and three ahead of you and you go, well, shit, what happened this year? Why were we eight and eight? And, you know, again, another year sweeping the Vikings, another year. So, you know, we go four and two in the division this year. Four so, and two in the division this year, five and one last year. So that if, uh, if you're, if you're start, if you're trying to build on the little things, that's one thing you got to understand with Matt Nagy is he's got these guys ready to play divisional games. Uh, and that's, that's the first key. You know what I mean? It didn't work out this year, but usually if you have a winning record within the division, then you're you're on to having a good record, at least good enough to get into the wild card. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and this year, honestly, the NFC was record wise a little bit stronger, um, you know, than we had anticipated. Obviously, you know, you got teams like the Niners that we, you know, we thought we were gonna, you know, they were gonna be competitive. But thirteen and three, that was definitely, you know, no one really expected that unless you live in the Bay Area. And then, you know, the Seahawks, they're always competitive. The NFC East just doesn't even count. They should be relegated to a different league. You know, at this point, they're going to have a nine and 17 trying to the playoffs and the Eagles are dangerous once they get there, but it's tough. I, I thought that, you know, a 10 win season would get us in. And if, if you look at the way the cards fell, you know, this game could have meant so much today and it kind of sucks that it didn't, but I am glad that we did win in the ugliest of ways. Yeah, absolutely. You had to finish the season strong and build on things. And I feel like uh, we're actually finishing this podcast pretty strong and um, we're building on going into the off season. So I feel like this is really, really the best way. Uh, th- this is this is where we should stop it. You know, I feel like we kind of covered everything. Um, and I, if we go any further, we're just going to be ranting about shit we don't like. I was going to say, Lucas, we are eight and eight. We are. We are eight and eight right now. We're 500 as a podcast. So we're going to get our. We are here, and one thing too, actually, hold on before before we get off, um, you know, regardless of you know rotating panelists, you know, on, on behalf of me, Pat Comiskey, you know, Aaron, Lucas, Ethan, all of us in the Bears on Tap brain, we truly do appreciate the listeners uh, for this first year being with us here, supporting us, 
helping us out and stuff like that. Um, obviously, like Lucas has, you know, he tipped the hat. We're going to be looking to still get episodes out. What did you say? It was going to be at least, you know, relatively once a week or a couple times a month, at least during the off season. To make um, sure. At a minimum. Yeah. At a minimum, I want to get out one episode a week, if not every 10 days. All right. So we're going once a week. Let's get it. I'm, I'm guys, always available. I, you know, I just wanted to make sure that your plan was, you know, there, but realistically, what I'd like for us to do is um, all of us get our at least one article in a week. We're going to do a player profile or I'm sorry, a position breakdown every single week. And then we'll start talking salary cap and then free agency and draft. So that should give us more than enough where if we each are writing one article, you know what I mean? We'll highlight our articles, things like that, and just kind of cross promote everything. Absolutely. You heard it from the man himself. Unfortunately for our Chicago bears, a win today, but an eight and eight season, and we will be at home watching the playoffs next week. Um, I wish, you know, I wish it was the Packers getting out in the, you know, knocked out in the wild card round, but I do think, you know, our NFC North foes will both be one and done. And we will touch on that in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Brandon. And I will, uh, I'll be talking to you shortly. Absolutely. And bear down my brother. Bear down. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Again, I am Lucas Perfetti, and you can follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46 Lucas with a C. Also, go ahead and follow our Bears on Tap Twitter handle, just at Bears on Tap. Thank you again, guys, and bear down.